0: So, man, and, Chris and we bro. can't guarantee that you're gonna look great. But if you wanna stay in chain, well, you Gen-wits, Gen-wits. That's
1: right, man. You Welcome to the Jimwits Podcast, I'm Ryan George
0: I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Shep Sonic And we are the Gym Wits. Well, sadly, it's here, winter, in New York I know we always complain about the weather And we're gonna keep on doing so It is cold I felt like we didn't even have. There was like no fall. Uh, yeah, like I think we've very, had milder falls, but
1: still, it's not that bad yet.
0: I'm okay. It's it's not freezing, but yeah. it's like you go outside and you're like, oh I mean, it's, man, it's not it's pleasant. But I'm okay. I, like, look, I was in I was
1: in Alaska in the summer, <laughs> <laughs> and it sucked. So <laughs> I'll take this. I'm I'm good. Uh, yeah, like so. I mean. It, my biggest issue with war is like when the when it's a when it snows really bad because then you have a no, you don't have computer. a car to dig out. So yeah, you have that, yeah, exactly. And B, then when it's all slushy and slimy and yeah. then you got to like step in those mat- little puddles and it's just gross. So I think like that's when I'll really be miserable about the winter. But otherwise, like, you I know, you can, lay, you can always California. wear layers. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you could so. Yeah. But Otherwise, you know, it's not I, I, I'll refrain from my you're not going to complain complaints. about it. Though, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, We yeah, have
0: right. to keep the the trend going. Yeah, I guess so
1: Right Like <laughs> if there should somewhere there's like We're a New Yorkers. Game. We need to complain about somewhere, something There's some drinking game right now, which is like, okay, we take a shot for every time the oh, yeah, it's a good idea about it no, <laughs> It's not a good idea.
0: So today we have a really wonderful interview it's from author Jin Stevens and she has written the smash success delay don't deny. It's about intermittent fasting. Uh, she's incredibly knowledgeable so enjoy the interview with Jen.
1: and just uh, just oh. a what before we get started just a little <laughs> heads up there oh, yeah. were some slight audio issues so um, it's not too nothing crazy but might get a little jumpy at, at spots um, so just just a heads up uh, it's still everything is it sounds great um, but if you do hear some a little bit of jumpiness sorry we, we, we didn't catch it unfortunately while it was going on um, but otherwise you know yeah it's a great interview enjoy uh, and without further ado here's Jin.
0: Hey, everyone. We are here with Jin Stevens. How's everything, Jin?
2: Hi, everybody. I'm so (laughs) glad to be here with y'all.
0: Oh, thank you so much for coming on The Wits. Now, Jin is the author of the smash success, Delay, Don't Deny. And she has a newer book as well, Feast Without Fear. So very exciting stuff. And we are going to talk about... Intermittent fasting. But before we get into that, we always ask our guests about their background in fitness and health, whether you got into it last year or you started playing sports when you were two years old.
2: So. Well, that is the right question. <laughs> <laughs> and I am a 49 year old woman. So there's just mm-hmm. a little bit of background there. So you'll know where I'm coming from. But, you know, my interest in in food and eating, I think started at, at the knee of my mother. Probably a lot of women have that same story. You know, my mother was a, a ballet dancer and a dance teacher, so I grew up at the dance studio. And Great. maintaining your weight was always something in, in that was expected and you know <laughs> encouraged. So I watched my mother count calories. I watched her do Weight Watchers. I watched her know over the years diet and that piqued my own interest in it. Even when I was, you know, in high school and I was very you know scrawny. I was a scrawny kid. I um, you know, got interested in counting calories because that's just seemed like what what you should do, right? And then um in the nineties I counted my fat grams like everybody was doing Mm -hmm. and I read every diet book that ever came out. And then I counted my carbs like everybody, you know, I was always Jumping on the latest diet trend. And as I got older, it got harder and harder to lose the weight until I found myself um, obese. I was 210 pounds at one point and really you know, at a point of despair in my life. And all the, the diets I'd tried before just really were failing me. So that that's to make a very really long story short. I just skipped about, you know, 45 years there. <laughs> I was. I've just always been very interested in in different diets and foods and how they affect the body.
0: Great. And so before we get into the uh, into the meat of the discussion, you're a teacher, correct?
2: Well, I am now a retired. Oh yes, teacher, you retired. Is, that's It's great. so exciting to say. I well, taught you're elementary. Be a yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> you can't get teaching out of your. Um, out of your blood just that's my husband <laughs> but um yes i taught elementary school for 28 years and i was because of the success of the book which is very exciting i was able to retire a couple years early which, which is nice so i'm officially retired and having a second career really that's wonderful. so
1: can you tell us about i guess how did your step how did your second career get started like where was the kind of how did you make the decision to, to to write the book and um yeah how did you really decide that, you know, this is what I'm going to pursue.
2: You know, it all kind of happened by accident, which sounds crazy. I didn't set out to, you know, start an intermittent fasting world <laughs> and, and have, you know, large intermittent fasting support groups on Facebook with, we have, gosh, I don't know, 140,000 members from around the world and in our groups combined. And it really just started with me um, doing intermittent fasting, lose weight and realizing that there's a great deal of support in Facebook support groups that can really help me as someone who was, you know, trying to lose the weight. And also, we can kind of support and help one another. I did intermittent fasting off and on from 2009 to 2014, and I never did make it, you know, quote, stick. I couldn't stick with it. I was treating it as a temporary diet, as a a quick fix kind of a thing, like, you know, the other diets that we're used to trying. And it wasn't until... 2014, when you know I was on Facebook and I found some Facebook support groups, not not my own, but I I joined some, and that really appeared to be the missing link for me, having that support, other people that were going, you know, that were doing it, going through the same things, because you know, back in those years, 2009 to 2014, intermittent fasting was not, you know, in any way, shape, or form mainstream. People thought it was absolutely crazy. There were a few books out there. But, you know, they were far, you know, few and far between. So, you know, I, I did intermittent fasting myself. I lost the weight. I lost. I've gone on to lose over 80 pounds, by the way, and um, been able to keep it off pretty much effortlessly since 2015. But in 2016, no, actually 2015. In 2015, I started my first Facebook support group that was really just going to be a place for me and for my friends to chat. We were we were doing kind of a one meal a day intermittent fasting approach in a window of about five hours where you eat one actual meal, and I wanted a place where we could just really focus on that, and that was that was where it all started. Um, then over the next year, as I managed the Facebook support group, you know, we found that people were asking the same questions, people wanted to know how to get started, and so I don't know if you've been in any facebook support group but there's something called a pinned post where you put all the information for someone yeah and it just kept getting longer and longer and longer and crazier Mm -hmm. and crazier and um i had been kind of playing around with the idea of a book and i'd outlined it and i'd written some chapters and i'm like you know really what i want is a book that i can hand somebody who wants to know how to start intermittent fasting because there were books out there like i said but I didn't agree with everything in all of them. Like this one would be good, but I don't agree with when it says this or, you know, the science shows us that really, no, you don't want to have, you know, a diet soda in in your fast and here's why. And so there just wasn't one resource I could hand anybody, like like a friend who wanted to get started. And, of course, you know, as I lost the weight and maintained it, more and more friends wanted to know how to do it. So that's really how it started. And then, you know, the book took off and, you know, If you search intermittent fasting on Amazon, it's like the second thing that comes up, which is still surreal (laughs) (laughs) to me. And so um, you know, it just it just snowballed and I was busier and busier, and the Facebook groups got bigger and bigger. And so I was trying to teach full time and also manage these groups with all these people. And I just I couldn't do both. So I was suffering, you know, both both parts were were not getting my full attention. So fortunately I was able to retire from teaching and now I devote myself full time to intermittent fasting and supporting others.
1: Cool. So I guess for we, we've done it. We've talked about this a few times over the years. But if you can give our listeners kind of a bit, little bit of a background on like kind of what is intermittent fasting, and if you can explain how it works, um, okay. that would be great.
2: Yeah, you know, intermittent fasting is, is the terminology that we're most familiar with. Um, recently, a lot of people have started calling it time-restricted yeah. eating because they feel like that sounds just, you know, a little more palatable. Because yeah. hear the word fasting, people are like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it sounds like, you know, 40 days and 40 nights or something, you know, in the desert. But um, intermittent fasting just means you're going to intermittently have periods of time where you do not take in foods of any type you know calories you know as if you will and you also don't want to take in anything that's going to um provide energy for your body or cause your body to release insulin because the whole point of being in the fast state is that we keep our insulin low during the fast and we are able to tap into our stored fat effectively so there are many ways you can structure intermittent fasting um a daily eating window approach is the one that I think the most people are familiar with. You know, I eat within a window of about five hours. Even now, at my goal weight, you know, in maintenance, I just feel better when my eating window is about five hours or less. And I eat one actual meal within that. I usually have a snack and a meal. You know, some people do really well with an eating window of up to eight hours. Um, and, of course, you time that from your first bite of food of the day or first you know, caloric beverage. And that's when your eating window would start. And then at the end of the, you know, when you've taken in your last bit of food, your last pork beverage of the day, that's when you close your window. So it's that time in between there that counts. Now, there are other um, approaches, you know, alternate daily fasting where you um, have every other day where one day and with those plans, a lot of them got started where you were really actually doing more of a calorie restricted plan on the alternate days where you have 500 calories one day and then the next day you would quote eat normally that's a traditional alternate daily fasting protocol there are others you know five two is one that's been popularized and has been around for years that's where you have two days a week where you have those lower calorie days or some people just do full fasts on those two days a week and then the other five days you would quote eat normally but the key to really i think having success is keeping the fast clean because you really don't want to do anything that would interrupt your body getting into, you know, tapping your fat stores effectively. So
1: now, so I guess we, we had this question later, but I guess we'll ask this now. Well, I guess the two questions that you came up, brought up that we'll, we'll kind of touch on now then is, I guess, one, if you can explain the importance of insulin and how it does impact, um, our diets and, and our, you know, weight loss goals. Um, and then what do you mean by a clean fast and what foods kind of like? So let's say, you know, if I'm in the, in during the fast, does water count? Does coffee count? Um, do, you know, does a diet soda count? So like, what is going to, what would kind of count towards ending being in that fasted state and like what what's okay to have while you're okay. in that fasted state? So I guess so two parts those, to that question, but if you could – yeah, that would be great to answer.
2: Those are both great questions. And for me, I'll go back to tell my story a little bit in that when I was losing the weight initially, I didn't understand the importance of keeping your insulin low during the fast. And so I was, you know, putting Stevia in my coffee. I was drinking flavored beverages. They're all zero calorie because we'd all been trained our whole lives, even from, you know, like I said, my earlier days with my mother. It's calories, right? Calories are what make you gain weight. So as long as it's zero calories, you're fine. So that all changed in 2016 when I read The Obesity Code by Dr. Jason Fung. And he is a nephrologist out of Canada, who works with a lot of really sick patients, nephrology is is kidney disease. So a lot of his patients come to him and their kidney disease is secondary to having, you know, type two diabetes, which leads to so many other health problems down the road. He found um, with his patients, they were just getting sicker and sicker over time. You know, they had type two diabetes. They, you know, the traditional protocol is you need more insulin. You know, the higher your blood sugar gets, you know, the sicker you are, We'll keep giving you more and more insulin. And he found that as he gave patients more and more insulin, which was the traditional standard of care, they would just get, you know, sicker and sicker and bigger and bigger. And so it might look like their um, their diabetes was being managed, but they were gaining weight. So he did a lot of studying and he talked about how, hey, it's the insulin, you know, that's making them gain the weight. And so the in order to tap into your fat stores efficiently, you need to keep insulin low. You know, if you think about type one diabetic, especially in the past before they really understood what was happening, you know, they the type one diabetics would just no matter what, you know, their bodies weren't producing insulin, they would just lose weight no matter how much they ate and just eventually they would die, you know, because their bodies couldn't process the foods that they were eating. So as I read the obesity code and understood the importance that insulin plays in fat storage and also fat loss, I realized that, you know, the stevia I was putting in the coffee, the flavored beverages, they, they stimulate insulin release in our bodies. So I actually struggled with some um, stubborn weight regain. After I lost my weight, I had eight pounds that kind of piled back on. Then I read the obesity code, learned about how important it was to keep your insulin low I stopped with the stevia, I stopped with all the other things and just started sticking to what what we now call a clean fast, which is black coffee, plain teas, not, you know, the special fruity ones, (laughs) but the the very plain teas and water and unflavored sparkling water. Hmm. And immediately, I mean, I had been doing this for a while. I was not new to fasting and I had reached my goal weight, even though I was struggling with weight regain. But the difference was just amazing. I immediately stopped having a white knuckle it through my fasts. I dropped that extra weight that I had regained. And ever since then, this was like March of 2016 and it's now November of 2018 that we're recording this. Ever since then, I have not struggled with weight regain. Fasting became easier. It's just made a huge difference. So, you know, a lot of people are doing intermittent fasting around the world now and, You know, some people are like, yeah, it doesn't matter. You're not really going to have problems. Drink your diet sodas, you know, put coconut oil in your coffee, you know, have this whatever. And they're maybe not seeing quite the results that they're expecting or maybe fasting. is hard for them. So in our intermittent fasting support groups on Facebook, we have found it makes a tremendous amount of difference when people start um, embracing clean fast, that people are just kind of blown away when they start sticking to, you know, just plain coffee just plain tea, nothing sweetened, nothing flavored, not having your butter coffee or your coconut oil coffee, when you let your body really have a chance to just get into that fasted state, you're not, you know, spiking your insulin with the flavors or with the sweeteners, Hmm. it really makes all the difference in the world. Anecdotally, we found that to be true.
0: Nice. So I have a reveal to make right now. Ryan has been my We're both 37 years old Ryan has been my best friend since Junior high school So we've known each other for a long time and, you know, that's the, the podcast got started because we wanted to be a couple friends talking about fitness, and then it blew up. So it's funny how the, these things happen. But the reveal is to Ryan that I have started intermittent fasting. <laughs> okay. Yay! <laughs> Great. When did you start? <laughs> Ten minutes ago? I, no, no, no. I, I started a few days ago, okay. believe it or not. Because I wanted – there's um, there, there's actually a few reasons why. Uh, not just weight loss. I'm at a fairly healthy weight, and I'm pretty athletic. But there are a few pounds I wanted to to drop. And in the past, I have, if I really wanted to to lose weight, I would do the, you know the super clean eating and the calorie counting. Not not really like specifically counting calories because I've always been athletic, and it was it was pretty easy for me to lose weight. Um, I didn't have to, to really measure out the calories. But I knew when I would, if I would just eat really clean, sort of very healthiest foods, like lots of vegetables, um, brown rice, and almost nothing junky, nothing high-calorie or anything processed, then I would lose weight. Um, I'm 37 now, so it's probably not quite as easy for me to lose the weight. But something that's always was difficult, even when I was doing that, was counting the calories. So why is... The traditional concept of calorie in, calorie out, so difficult to follow for people.
2: That's that's a great question, and really, the whole you know theory of calories in, calorie out, is based on you know when you're, when you're in the lab and you're doing these experiments with different foods. They have a certain amount of energy contained in them. And so the theory is that our bodies are going to be able to extract all of the energy from these foods the same way that works in a lab. And so in a lab, if it has, you know, 100 calories of energy and your body will be able to get 100 calories of energy out of that food. And if that were true, then every food would be identical in the body and it wouldn't matter what you ate, you know, like the professor who did the Twinkie diet and he lost weight on the Twinkie diet and his, you know conclusion was, see, it doesn't matter what you eat. It's just the calories. Well, we we know that if you ate nothing but Twinkies for 20 years, your body would not be very healthy. Food's a lot more than just the calories that are in it. And the problem with calories in calories out is that you can measure and count what you're putting into your body. But once the food gets into your body, your body is not a closed system like that lab. So what your body does with the foods that you eat just can vary dramatically. Like the example I gave earlier, the person with type 1 diabetes whose body is not producing insulin, and they would literally waste weight and die. Is it because they're not eating enough calories? Well, it's because their bodies can't use the calories for energy because their body doesn't have insulin You've got to have insulin in your body in order to, you know, store the, the or to use the the foods that you're eating and get energy from them and, you know, store it as fat. So another faulty part of it is the whole calories out part. You know, all are big in exercise and weight loss and, you know, metabolic effects of working out or, or you know, that if you have more muscle, your body is going to be more metabolically active, burning more calories than someone who doesn't, right? Mm, So calories out is another part of the equation that you can't micromanage that. Your body can do all sorts of things with the foods that you eat. You know, if you ever want to really be fascinated by um, how interesting our bodies are are, and how different they are, do some reading on overfeeding studies. I read one. It was an overfeeding study of identical twins of all things. And so, um, you know, mathematically, you would expect people to gain a pound every time they overeat 3,500 calories, right? That's, that's what we've all been told. Yeah. But in this overfeeding study with twins, they found that that's not really how it worked for anybody. Some people gained a whole lot less than they would have mathematically been um, expected to gain. and Some people actually gained more, <laughs> those mm-hmm. poor, pe- poor people. But what really tightly was linked was how the twins did like the twins did a similar thing, like one twin and the other twin had a similar response Mm. uh, to the overfeeding. But when you read that study and they were in a, in a setting, they were in a closed setting. They were, um, their foods were provided to them. It wasn't one of those where they have to self-report. They're given their meals Mm. after having their bodies analyzed for caloric, um, quote, burn. And you know what the metabolic rate was. It just really showed that, we, we just don't know what, what your body is going to do with those calories. Some of the twins, as I said, their bodies ramped up their metabolic rate and burned off the excess calories that they ate. So it was fascinating.
0: It's interesting. And one part of, of the book that I, I found really interesting is when you reference the biggest loser subjects. Right. How you would lose weight in, in this ridiculous amount of time. But they don't have a reunion show for a reason. It's because they've all gained it back. So, what's sort of the concept behind losing the weight fast and then now having this old screwed up metabolism where now you need to eat even less calories in order to maintain maintain the norm?
2: Right, and that's what we've we've all experienced with diets before. You know, you you count the calories, you lose the weight. And then when you get to your goal, you regain it again. That's what that was that cycle that I was on my whole life. And they did the biggest loser study that it came out in 2016. And it was all over the news. And really some of the, um, the tone of the news articles was like, well, heck, why even bother? You know, if your metabolism is just going to be slower, why even try to lose the weight? Because you're not going to be able to keep it off. So they found in the study that the people who had been on The the Biggest Loser show, and they they followed them years later, their metabolisms were lower than they would have been for their newly established weight. Like, for example, we know that a smaller body takes less energy than a larger body. But if you you predicted how much energy their now smaller bodies would take based on those formulas, they were actually having to eat 500 calories less than that. So it it, it caused them about 500 calories a day of, quote, you know, metabolic damage. So the difference with intermittent fasting is that based on the research that we've seen, it keeps your metabolism kind of at the higher rate. You don't lower because your body can, when you're fasting, it can look around and say, hey, we have plenty of stored energy here on our bodies. And you tap, you're tapping into that stored fat. And so your body doesn't feel the need to lower your metabolic rate. You've got plenty of energy stored on your body, and it was only with the frequent eating, you know, all the time that your body kind of lost track of that. You can't really sense what's there because you're constantly in that fed state. So, um, I guess getting
1: back to the to intermittent fasting, um, and I guess where's where's the science on it? Because I think it's one of those things. Obviously, it's still fairly, fairly, relatively new kind of in the diet and health and wellness industry um and it feels like every few weeks there's a new study on intermittent fasting some i don't i haven't seen many that say it's a bad thing but you know there's some that say it's great and then others like there was one that came out this week that kind of said it it works but it's no better than any other kind of calorie restricted diet so i guess where would you say the science is right now as far as um as intermittent fasting goes
2: yeah i think when we read any scientific study is so important to really dig in and understand yeah. the methods. I have a chapter on this in my second book, beast without fear. And it really becomes comical when you start looking at the studies and seeing what they claim that the study proved. And then you see what they actually, what they actually did in the study. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute, that's not what they tested at all. For example, there's one that's out right now that are people are like I said, you know, quote, intermittent fasting, no better than other diets, yeah. you know, for weight loss. Um, well, there was a whole, like, like what they claim that the participants were doing. And then when you dig down into it, they weren't really. They yeah. weren't really fasting. They were supposed to – this was, I think, based on the 5-2 method that I talked about earlier where you have those two days where you're supposed to um, have the 500 calories a day. Well. They were not really limiting themselves to 500 calories a day. They were eating you know, like a thousand calories a day yeah. instead. So when you start looking into the methodology, you're like, well, they weren't really fasting at all. Yeah. But yet the headline shows fasting not effective for weight yeah. loss. Yeah. Everybody's like, oh, see, I told you. Yeah. <laughs> so that's the problem that um is really looking into those studies. What we're hearing more than anything though, yeah. is fasting being studied. You know for Alzheimer's prevention or for the um, inflammation. You know, I like to call intermittent fasting as the health plan with the side effect of weight loss. You know, for me, my inflammation has decreased so much that I no longer have seasonal allergies, which is kind of remarkable because I suffered with those for, you know, so much of my life. It was really terrible. And now, I don't even take allergy medicine during peak allergy season, mm-hmm. and I live in Augusta, Georgia, where we have a lot of pollen. So my health has been impacted, you know, dramatically. Yes, I lost the weight, you know, sitting here my size zero genes, which is fun. We love that. Mm-hmm. But I'm so healthy and I feel, you know, vibrant and young. And I think that's what's important to know. The research is showing that intermittent fasting is great for more than just losing weight so even if you hear a study that says intermittent fasting no more effective for weight loss than other diets well how much did you enjoy those other diets did you want to do them for the rest of your life well i i want to eat this way for the rest of my life because i feel better doing it Hmm. so even if the weight loss was you know no more effective which which i think is true but even if that were true it's it's so much more than just you know losing fat so just to, to piggyback off that, that's actually
0: one of the reasons why uh, I've decided to take up intermittent fasting. I'm doing uh, in a, uh, basically an 18-hour fast every okay. day. I think that, that for my lifestyle, that works really well. So that's what I've decided to do. And um, part of it is because there are, I have some issues, nothing serious, but I, I believe that, it, that it's going to help those. Right. right, and I know I'm. I'm not a doctor, and um, you know I've talked to a couple doctors about it, and you know <laughs> it's always interesting what doctors you know doctors will tell you different things. But I've decided to give it a shot, so I think that it will certainly help with some issues that I have. And speaking of, what are some of what are some other um, other I guess what you would call non-scale victories? Right. that people have reported from from fasting.
2: Okay. That's a great question. And I do want to, to add one thing. I am married to an organic chemist. He's got a PhD in organic chemistry. And he has been so thin his whole life, like like very lean. He was still wearing the same pants we got that he wore when we got married because he never gained any weight. Um, <laughs> but he now does intermittent fasting just for the health benefits. Yeah. So it, he's been sold on it personally just you know watching me and seeing what happens all right so what other victories non-scale victories do people see really some of them are like unbelievable and <laughs> you wouldn't even believe it if like people have scars going away which sounds remarkable like people will come into facebook groups they're like i had a c-section 20 years ago and my scar has been raised and bumpy and now my scar is flat for the first i mean crazy stuff that sounds like unbelievable like you wouldn't put that in a book because it sounds fake. <laughs> um, you know, people see reduced inflammation. There are all sorts of people who, and of course, I am not a medical doctor. As I said, my background is elementary education, um, even though I do have a master's in science teaching and science education. But people are seeing, you know, type 2 diabetes gone. You know, their A1C is down. Just so many health factors are, are improving, Um Mental clarity during the fast, that's my favorite part. That's why I'll never go back. Even mm. if if I could go back to, you know, eating all day long, breakfast, lunch, dinner, and snacks, and maintain my weight, if I could do that, I wouldn't, because I feel so much better when I go through the day in the fasted state. I have great mental clarity. I have great energy. I can do anything I, I need to do um, with with this energy that I've got, and, you know, I can... Run and move and jump and lift. And, I mean, I'm not not a gym goer. When I say lift, I mean like I'm lifting the San Pellegrino case from my car <laughs> nice. to bring it into the house, you know. But I can do anything I need to do. Um, a one thing that really is striking that a lot of people say is it's emotional victory the the fa- the feeling of finally being free from restrictive thoughts about food. Um, I'm sure you've heard about, you know, decision fatigue and how over the course of a day we make so many decisions and that you can actually wear yourself out. You know, by the end of the day, you're tired of making those decisions. And with food, it's like that. You know, if you're eating, you know, traditional low calorie diet or whatever kind of diet and you you wake up in the morning and you're having to restrict yourself and then during the day you're restricting yourself all day long, you're making decisions about food and having to restrict. By the end of the day, you're like, forget it. I'm done and then people have like their nightly binges or whatever.
0: Not to mention the guilt that's involved yeah. if you if you stray from your so
2: called diet. Well, with intermittent fasting, you don't have those decisions to make all day because you're fasting. Yeah. And I know that sounds crazy, like it's hard, but it's not. It's actually easier than having to make all those, you know, dozens of decisions. Should I have another cup of coffee with cream and sugar? Should I have wow. a snack from the pastry cart? Should you know, you're just you're not having that. And you feel so good, and so you don't want it. And then by the time your eating window is open, you you actually reconnect with your satiety hormones like you're supposed to have like like how we all, you know, we're born with these these ability, the ability to stop eating. We've had enough, but we lose touch with them over the way mm. of our life. But with intermittent fasting, you connect with those again.
1: Yeah.
2: And, and so you, you stop eating. You've had enough to eat. And you're like, all right, I'm done.
1: Yeah. And to piggyback off of that, there's, we, we've talked about this plenty of times over the years doing the podcast, but you know, we're kind of, humans are limited to the, you know, certain, not that we're limited to the decisions, but kind of, we, there's a bank of kind of choices that we have to make throughout the day. And the more that I, you make, you kind of reach a point of almost like decision fatigue. Right. And so I do find that myself, yeah, when you do that and you, you eliminate that process for an entire chunk of the day, you're it's much easier to make that you know the choice of okay you know it's much easier to make the, the one choice of i'm gonna have this meal versus the dozens of times that you're gonna decide to or not to or go back and forth um and then also it just saves money like i'm a That's i'm true. a very kind of compulsive eater and i i would find that like i'll you know for, uh, when i ate breakfast first thing in the morning i'd eat breakfast then i'd snack and all of a sudden before my lunch i'd spent a good amount of money and especially it adds up throughout the week on food. And, um, I've found, you know, now it's, if lunch is the first meal, lunch is the first meal. So I don't think about that. And, um, there isn't that, that hunger. I tend to look forward to that lunch, but, but, um, you know, I'm not freaking out overnight eating. It's just, I've saved a good amount of money, um, (laughs) that morning, not, you know, eating junk.
2: Exactly. And I don't open my window until usually sometime after 4 p.m. Hmm. So for me, like I'll open my window with a snack sometime hmm. at four and then I'll have dinner later. But, you know, just during the day, you're just cruising along. And sometimes I'll say, oh, what time? Is it? Not time to eat. yet," But it, that's fine. And if I'm busy, I might look up and it's 6 p.m. and I haven't had anything yet. You know, that can happen, too.
1: So now I guess, you know, I don't, we won't get into tons of detail because obviously you can go a, a lot into this and I'd, and rather our listeners like, you know, buy the book and I'm sure you can get more information. <laughs> but, um, when it comes to a protocol, obviously there are different protocols. So like you'll do, you do a short window, um, later in the day. Uh, there's some people that will do an eight hour window. There's some people that will do 10. But, um, as far as it kind of where the research is, and where the science is like, what is an appropriate window? You know, what, like where, you know, if, if it's like, oh, I'm just going to fast eight hours, but that eight hours is when I'm sleeping. Does that really count? You know, is, or is there like, is it a, is it a minimum 14 hour window? Is it a minimum 16 hour window? Like, what is that window for the fast to actually make intermittent fasting effective?
2: That's a great question. And I've seen the number 12 thrown around um, as far as like, you know, if, if somebody just you know, start with 12, 12 hours of fasting and then a 12 hour eating window just as the basics to see some health benefits. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to see health benefits with that? Probably. You're going to lose weight. Probably not, because that's not different probably than a lot of people live anyway. You know, by the time you go to bed and wake up, spend 12 hours between eating experiences. But I've just seen that thrown around um, some scientists saying, you know, start with 12 for most people. You know, 16-hour daily fast is a really good place to start as far as like if you really want to start getting into fat burning. And, you know, some people are going to be able to get into fat burning with a 16-hour window. (laughs) Some of us are not. That was never working. I mean, a 16-hour fast, an 8-hour eating window. I think I said that backwards. That was not enough fasting for me. An 8-hour eating window is too long for me. Um, For me, a 5-hour eating window was it was a great place to really find my rhythm. You know, some days my eating window will be two and a half hours long. Another day it really might be seven because I have you know a special event that day. The thing about intermittent fasting is it's flexible and it's very personalized. So if the question is what is the best eating window that is applicable f- across all people, the answer is there is not one. And you know we we tend to look for absolutes with anything. Like okay, well. This is what's the best. Everyone should have a one hour window, and that's you're a little more fat. Well, no, for some people, having a one hour eating window is way too much stress on their body. And um, how do you know? Well, if you start to feel worse and stressed about food and you're, you know, having a hard time with it, then that's too much for you. You may need to back off. And, you know, more is not always better in that regard. Whereas, you know, for some people, a three-hour window might be their sweet spot. Some people do better with an evening eating window like I do. But, you know, there are plenty of people who do better with an early-in-the-day eating window. Mm-hmm. You know, I know people, they like to wake up, they eat their big breakfast, and they're done with food for the day, and they go about their day. And that, that eating window works very well for them. There's some talk in the, um, the intermittent fasting research world that an early window may have some um, – metabolic advantages with circadian rhythm and, and that sort of thing but even so i want to say the best window is the one you're going to stick to long term even if mm-hmm. you know scientists came out and said we we're 100 which of course you are know, never 100 percent sure with anything with the human body and, and the research with that goes but if they said 100 percent we're sure the best eating window is 8 a.m to noon and that's when everyone should eat and only eat between eight and noon see that wouldn't work for me because I know personally that when I have an eating window early in the day, I struggle with hunger late in the mm. evening that's really hard for me to manage. I've tried to have an earlier window when, I, you know, working around events. Like if I have a special brunch, I'm like, I'll just eat this brunch and then I'll be fine. That doesn't work for me. So, you know, the best eating window is the one that feels like a lifestyle to you mm. and that allows you to get the results you're looking for. You know, if you start off with an eight-hour window and it feels right for you, and you do it for a couple months, and you've lost zero pounds. Well, that is not going to be your weight loss protocol. Maybe that's a great maintenance window for you. But if you want to lose weight, you know, tighten up a little bit. It's all about tweaking and mm. finding what works for you. And also, what works for you one season of your life may not work forever. You know, I actually have had to make my window a little bit longer now that I'm in maintenance, just because you know, I don't have as much fat stored on my body. And so my body will tell me one day, Hey, you need to eat a little more today. And so I'll open my window earlier and I'll have two meals that day. You really get good at listening to your, your body's signals. You know, instead of feeling like, man, I blew it. I ate meals today and in an eight hour window. And no, that's just what I needed that day.
0: So what would you tell someone who's considering, uh, doing an intermittent fasting plan, who's thinking, well, you know, I'm, I can give myself a three hour window to eat. But during that time, you know, it's, you know, all out, I can eat Doritos and, and cake, you know, lots of alcohol, and soda, <laughs> like, yeah,
2: what,
0: what's the idea behind the choices of what you actually eat?
2: You know, that's a great question, because we all know, We know that real food nourishes our bodies and that Doritos and cake and sodas are not going to nourish your body. We know that's true. And a lot of people do kind of go a little crazy at first when they start intermittent fasting. You know, my book is called Delay, Don't Deny. And people sometimes think that means go hog wild. Like you said, that there's no amount of food that that could be too much. And that's not true. Um, You can absolutely overeat in an eating window and not lose weight. And you're not going to be you know, your your best health self if you're eating nothing but junk because our bodies need nutritious food. But a lot of people find, you know, especially if you come from a place of restriction for years and years and years, and you've been dieting for a long time, and you've been denying yourselves all the foods you want to eat, um, you know, based on whatever diet you're following at the time, you might find at the very beginning that you do overdo it. One of my favorite um, Intermittent fasting expert Dr. Bert Hearing. He he's who I started following early in my fasting journey. He wrote the book Fast Five and also a book called Appetite Correction. He talks about the early days of fasting. Um, you'll have something he calls compensatory overeating, and that is where you know you're not adjusted yet to the fasting. Your body's not accessing your fat stores well yet, and so when your window opens, you may just like go crazy and just eat everything that's not nailed down and that is actually normal as your body is adjusting and so people sometimes even gain weight at first but then a funny thing happens and he talks about this in his second book appetite correction he he actually coined that phrase but it is genius and i love it as your body gets used to the fasting you experience something called appetite correction and that that's where your satiety signals are back in balance And you no longer have the desire or even the ability to overeat like that because your body says, whoop, had enough. And then you stop. Mm -hmm. The very first time you plan to have ice cream for dessert and then you realize you don't want it because you're full. And you're like, who am I? What is this (laughs) magic? (laughs) So if you can just trust the process that that will will go by the wayside, Um, a lot of people have found that to be true for me my tastes in food have changed dramatically. You know, I really did eat a lot of, you know, fast food and junk food. And I can hardly even remember being that person, but I lost my first, you know, 75, 80 pounds of this weight loss without really trying to eat, you know, quote, healthier foods. I went through McDonald's drive through more than I would like to admit during that period of time, but I did lose the weight. I'm sure I wasn't, you know, my optimal health at that time. But now that food doesn't appeal to me. And it's not because, you know, someone told me I needed to change what I what I eat. My body eventually started asking for better foods. We find that as almost universal. You know, people who start off eating just that those fun foods that they thought that they they were missing all those years, then you are like, wait, that's not so fun. I don't even like that anymore. So I think if I went back in time three years to the person I was or four years I mean, I, my plate looks completely different now, and it's not because I meant to do it. It's just a very interesting process.
0: So, what would you tell someone who's considering starting an, an intermittent fasting plan, but they're saying, "But, but what about uh, on holidays where I'm with family and we eat different meals, and you know, I, I like to drink a little bit?" What's the the deal with that? Like someone says, "Well, I can't," you know, we eat two meals a day, or someone we eat three, we eat all day, you know, during Christmas or something like that. What, what would you tell those people?
2: Well, I would tell those people that special occasions, you, know, you set your fasting aside and you celebrate with your family because I have a chapter in Delay Don and I mm-hmm. that talks about this. It's you know, fasting is a lifestyle, not a religion. You know, you don't have to <laughs> repent of your sins or go to like fasting jail or <laughs> anything like that. You know, um, on Christmas day, I always go over to, to my parents and we have, we have brunch. And once my window is open, like I said earlier, you know, I have a harder time closing my window. That's why an early window doesn't work well for me. Cause once it's open, I'm eating. Hmm. <laughs> so on Christmas day, I'll eat, you know, brunch. I'll have, you know, we go to somebody, another family member's house and there's food there and I'll eat that there. And, you know, I may have a 12 hour reading window on Christmas Day, but boy, the next day I'm ready to get back started with fasting because it just feels better. And I don't have to do an extra long fast or punish myself or eat, you know, carrot sticks. I just jump right on the fasting wagon because it's a lifestyle. And there's no guilt. That's the thing. You know, we just had Thanksgiving here in the US and people said it was just amazing, people who in the Facebook group talking about how they handled Thanksgiving. And they're like, for the first time in my life, I enjoyed Thanksgiving without feeling like, you know, I need to make up for it. You know, I had the pie. Unfortunately, I could only eat two bites because I was too full, but I stopped. You know, People were reporting that it was like life changing of how they experienced the holiday.
1: So tell us about your Facebook group and um, if like who who is it for what kinds of people should join. Um, Yeah. Give us a little bit more information on that.
2: All right. That's a great question. I actually have um, several Facebook groups now. And the first one that I started was called One Meal a Day IF Lifestyle. That was the first one that I started in um, 2015. And that is for people who tend to use a one meal a day approach. And as I said, it's not... um, we don't like have a really strict window. Like You don't have to be 23-1. You don't have to have a one-hour eating window. I do one meal a day within a window of about five hours. I have a snack and then I have a meal. We were the first one meal a day group on Facebook. And now there are a bunch of them. And a lot of them define one meal a day you know, very strictly, like one plate, one hour, whatever. We don't do that. As long as you're pretty much eating a meal, one meal, one real meal, we, we welcome you to our group. And you don't even really have to follow one meal a day. You could just be in our group and see what we're doing. Um, that was my first group. Then after I wrote the book, I started Delay, Don't Deny, Intermittent Fasting Support. And that was designed to be for people who had read the book as kind of a, a book support group. But what we found over time is that people joined that had not read the book. And of course, we're not going to kick you out for not reading the book. I hope you want to read the book, but you know we'll support you anyway. So I then started a third group called Delay, Don't Deny, Advanced Book Support Group. And that is 100% just for people who've read the book. So you do get a different kind of level of support there because we're all coming from the the same place. So those are the, the three groups. Um, we'd love to see any of you there. There are membership questions that you have to answer. If you find the groups, you'll have to answer three membership questions for the first two. And then for the book group, you have to prove that you've read a book with, with one question. So, but, you know, we love to have you there. We have a, it's a very amazing community, you know, Facebook can go negative so quickly, but as large as our groups are with tens of thousands of members from around the world, we really have a very positive community that supports one another and um, we're just all in there fasting together. There's always somebody up, somebody might be up in New Zealand, which is, you need support. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and right. so it's it's literally twenty four seven.
0: Nice. I need to join the uh, the group later.
2: Please join the group. Yeah, We'd love yeah. to have you there. I
0: will now. Um, all right. So a uh, question that is not uh, uh, I F related. And now you've worked with kids for a while, yep. and you do not recommend that children or teens do uh, intermittent fasting. It's just not good for them at that age. But we do have a. Obesity epidemic in this country And we And, and much of that is also a childhood obese, Obesity epidemic So there are a lot of children that are overweight um, Clearly per It's We know what it's based on It's not eating healthy Not being active Not being educated Maybe not having access to healthier food What do you think Are, are some things that we can do as a society To help our children To be healthier To grow up healthier
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think back to my own childhood. I grew up in the 70s. I was born in 69, grew up in the 70s. We ate bad food. I mean, we ate, you know, I remember having jelly sandwiches on white bread and fritos, you know, for lunch. I was eating processed food. It It was not the best. And I was stick thin. But you know what we weren't doing? We weren't Snacking all the time or eating constantly. We also weren't carrying around, you know, these beverages all the time. You know, I saw a classroom, I started teaching in 1990. And when I started, kids would come to school. You know, I was, I was the teacher. They would come to school. We would have the day. They would go to have lunch. Then they would come back to the classroom. Then they would go home. Over time, over the years, it became, you, now the kids bring snacks to school. They have a water bottle that might have, you know, a sweetened beverage in it or some sort of water enhancer. They have a mid-morning snack. They have their lunch. Then there, some of them have a snack in the afternoon at recess. And then they constantly, they're constantly in the fed state. There's a graph. I don't know if Dr. Jason Fong has it in his book, The Obesity Code or not, or if I've just seen it on his blog. But it shows, it's, it's like a like a line graph. Okay, if you hear cats growling. I'm sorry, my cats are having a fight in the okay. other room, listeners. Sorry about that. Anyway, um, it shows to you know, like like imagine the blood sugar going up and down, up and down, right? And then imagine there's a baseline. So it goes up when you eat, and then it goes back down below the baseline after you eat, and then it goes up and down. And we're oh, sorry. I'm sure you hear that that cat <laughs> in the background. Let cat- me. <laughs> What are the cat's names? Okay, that is. Those are my two girl cats. That's Ellie and um, Lucy, and they are not friends, and they oh. fight. So anyway, sorry about that. Okay. But um, all right. So back to that graph. You know, if, if we used to just eat breakfast, lunch, dinner, no snacks, your body had a chance to go back down, kind of dipping into that quote fasted state between meals. So it all was kind of in balance. And now the kids are always up in that fed state, fed state, fed state, and so eventually it's going to come back to haunt them as they as they get older. And we're seeing kids in elementary school who are having, you know, type 2 diabetes that are obese, that are you know they have that belly fat, and that that's just mm-hmm. a sign of um, metabolic problems. So what I would tell parents is, of course, eat real food. You know, back my jelly sandwiches and Fritos from the seventies are not the healthiest foods. Of course, give your kids real food. You know, you want their gut microbiome to develop in a healthy way and and eating real foods, fruits, vegetables, things like that. Those are best. But also, I would stop the constant snacking. That is just not good for us. It's not how we're designed to be. And back in the 70s, we were not constantly snacking. And you rarely saw somebody, you know, a child that was overweight. Are y'all there? Oh,
1: yeah. Sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
2: okay. Sorry.
1: Yeah. So now can you tell us, uh, I guess we, you've mentioned books a couple of times. So if you can give the names of your books and where can people find the books?
2: Okay. Well, um, the first book, if you're interested in getting started with intermittent fasting, start with delay. Don't die living an intermittent fasting lifestyle. The paperback is only available through Amazon and, um, the ebook though is available everywhere that ebooks are sold. Every major ebook platform it's also available on Audible, iTunes, that sort of thing. My second book is called Feast Without Fear, Food and the Delay, Don't Deny Lifestyle. And um, I wrote that because, you know, so many people say, well, what is the best thing we should eat? You know, what what foods are really best? What's a healthy diet? And in um, Feast Without Fear, I talk about how, believe it or not, there's not one best diet that suits all of us. It has to do with a lot of different factors, you know, our our gut microbiomes are all different. We have different genetic factors, but over time you can figure out what foods work best for you. You know, I talk about blue zones, gut health, all sorts of, of interesting things in that book. Um, I have a couple of podcasts. I know your listeners like oh, podcasts. Yeah.
0: yeah. Tell us about the podcast. Too.
2: <laughs> One of them is called the intermittent fasting podcast. And we, um, I have 80-something episodes of that as of nice. right now. So you can find the Intermittent Fasting Podcast everywhere you know, you look at or listen to podcasts. I have a new one that just started November 1st. It's called Intermittent Fasting Stories, and I really love that podcast. Episode 5 will come out tomorrow. In fact, um, of course, not don't on the timeline that you're releasing that, but in the real world tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> but um, in Intermittent Fasting Stories, I talk to people who – who live an intermittent fasting lifestyle, and we hear their stories. And so far, the uh, people have really enjoyed listening to them. And so, you can go to ifpodcast.com to find the, the first one, and intermittentfastingstories.com to, to find the second one. And my website is, um, hold on, sorry, my website is jenstevens.com, and that's G I N stevens with a ph.com
0: awesome Jen. thank you so much for coming on the gym with this was a, a a an excellent really cool discussion and i'm glad that you were able to uh, to grace our presence
2: well i really enjoy being here so i hope that your listeners decide to try out some intermittent fasting and just mm-hmm. the one thing i would like to tell them is It's going to be hard at first, you know, (laughs) we promise it gets better or none of us could do it. You know, as your body is making that adjustment, be prepared for that adjustment period. And as I said earlier, the overeating at first is common, but, but trust us that it gets better over time. And then you'll, you know, you can go a month, two months, three months. You'll be like, wow, I I never want to go back to how I used to be.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot.
1: Thank you all. So you and your reveals—it's funny though because they're kind of anticlimactic, because like there's this—you've done this a number of times, and you you have this big buildup. Like you go you go back into like we've known each other for this long. You start talking, it's like oh wow, what 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 are you gonna say? What's going on? And then it's like I've changed my workout or I'm starting intermittent fasting. It's like a little I don't know. It's a little anticlimactic. I don't. I thought that was pretty climactic. I don't know about that. I disagree.
0: So how could I have made it more climactic? I,
1: I I just don't think it it deserved. The uh, you know it's like it's like one thing if you're like yeah I'm gonna get like you know I'm getting the gastric bypass surgery or like all right I'm just gonna do it I'm gonna start taking testosterone you know something like that fine I, I get you, it I but like I just feel like it was a lot of buildup <laughs> for a fairly benign reveal I don't know maybe maybe, maybe listeners don't agree
0: <laughs> yeah I guess it was it was fairly benign in the the grand scheme of things yeah. But But
1: So so you really have started intermittent fasting? Yes, I have. And how's it going so far?
0: Going well. Are you
1: struggling at all with the...
0: I I get hungry at night, mm -hmm. even though... So what's your window? What times are you... So I eat either sort of Mm one-ish to seven-ish. So I'm doing an 18-hour fast, a six-hour window, which usually means about two meals. I eat a slightly smaller meal earlier in the day, and then I have a big meal in the early evening, and that's it.
1: Okay, Really. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, going well. When for I me. It's doing, that's not too difficult. Yeah, when I was doing it, I I was sticking to about an 8 to 10 hour eating window, so I would do my lunch at 11:30 and then my last meal would be around I guess 8:30, 9:30, something like that. <laughs> and uh I my tr- trouble is though that I had read um, And so you know I don't know I, I, I meant to ask But I'd read that You can get away with Up to like 100 calories So now I wonder If, if it's the sweet yeah. That matters Or if it's the calories That matter So like Because I, I would then Just I would have a coffee With milk And so you know The amount of milk Was less than 100 calories Or around 100 calories But did that break my fast Because I would always Have that coffee with milk In the morning And I probably Should have asked that
0: It's interesting but, um, If you get a chance To read the book She actually mentions that Yeah That Some uh, some sources will even say You can have 500 calories to, During a certain Certain types of fast I think that The general consensus is Or for You know What, what Jin would probably tell you And what a lot of her followers Would say You know the Facebook the, From the Facebook group Is that they They get the best results When it's completely A clean fast Yeah So when your body Has nothing To draw from that's when it starts burning the fat
1: okay and that's that that's a challenge cuz i like i you know when we so we went to israel um god 10 years ago I know That's I insane. know. It's, um, so we went to Israel And it was part of A kind of birthright trip um, And uh, we had to eat kosher And not that they were Super strict about it But we tried to stick with it So like I typically would drink Coffee with milk But for that period of time I started drinking black coffee And I kind of took to it So for a couple years I would I would do black coffee But n- then I got back To drinking coffee with milk So it's kind of hard For me to go Like I really have a hard time With black coffee It's I'm, I'm weird Like I can drink black coffee If it's my second cup of coffee Of the day Mm. but if it's my first cup I really can't stand black coffee It's really weird I don't understand it I don't know why but um, I gotta gotta try to The other thing might be also the type of coffee for example Like in the morning I drink Dunkin Donuts And I find Dunkin Donuts to be I'm not a coffee snob, but Dunkin' Donuts is not very good coffee. No, it's not. (laughs) That would be the problem. Yeah, so the milk kind of tempers that a little bit, and it's palatable with the milk, but I feel like Dunkin' Dunkin' Donuts... Maybe you need to get some more cat poo coffee. Yeah, (laughs) black Dunkin' Donuts coffee is just not... Good and, and I, it no, just it's sour it's, and weird, yeah. yeah. So, I feel like I have to have it. So, maybe it's a matter of me maybe making the coffee myself, which will save me some money anyway. Yeah. But, um, you know, like for example, when I come here, we usually make a, a cup of coffee, but you have pretty good coffee, um, and so I'll just take it black. So, I think that you know, maybe that's it. So, maybe I got to start like roasting the coffee or, or, or doing it at home.
0: Would you I'm ever ready. consider doing uh, an, an intermittent fasting plan more so than what you've done? No, I've been doing it. I mean,
1: I, I, I kind of having... strayed, you know, so once I went away, um, I you know, because again, I'm also weird with food, like if I'm offering. Food I'm going to eat it So since breakfast Lunch and dinner Was catered I was first thing In the morning I was the first guy There eating breakfast So uh, and then Once I got back I'm, I'm kind of You know I'm not um, I'm, I'm not back to that I'm, I'm back on that yeah. Breakfast routine So I would like To get back to it uh, More for me Like I said like for me, it's all about choices. Like I think intermittent fasting is great because it limits your choices and it and it provides a certain amount of structure that I sometimes need. I think when I'm left to myself, I, I do struggle a little bit. So I like the structure of intermittent fasting. Um, you know, my issue is always whether I'm making good choices or bad choices for my for for my meals so i th- and and also saving and money i mean i just spent you know living in new york i don't have time nor the motivation to prep food at home so i'm eating out almost 100% of the time except um my stepson cooks a lot now but he he he's vegan and nothing against vegans but he's a vegan that does not like vegetables <laughs> so whoa <laughs> he he doesn't like vegetables he doesn't like sweet potatoes so like you know what he ends up doing is all pasta or something he, like that I mean so he makes a lot of stuff with, with pasta A lot of stuff with rice But it's all But then he does like the You know I get argue with him all the time He's always making like a You know fake chicken or fake meat Or fake And I'm like look You know just make me some stuff with vegetables You know or, or not make me You know just make You know make some ve- You know roast up some Some veggies and Some just season it well And throw in some rice And you know just make it nice and green and, Or colorful And I'll be fine I don't need you to fake a, a hamburger Because I don't like that stuff Because I know what a real burger Tastes yeah, like, yeah, yeah. and it's not the same, you know. So, so, um, but he, he's weird, stuck. But he's stuck on the fake meat part, and I just feel like, um I, you know, I, I, it's weird. Not for me. It's like, look, stop trying to fake it. There's tons of great vegan dishes that you can make where you're not trying to fake, you know, meat dishes. Do that. But he doesn't like that stuff, so yeah. then we're stuck. So long. Still find his way. going on a long rant to basically <laughs> just say, um, I, I don't. I spend a lot of money on food, so I find that intermittent fasting yeah, yeah. does help me with saving money. Hmm.
0: There's another uh, NSV, right? NSV. Non-scale victory. Ah, uh,
1: got it Okay, okay, cool Alright, well <laughs> Anyway, I guess that's it. Um, it When this goes out This is probably It is not New Year's yet But it's probably going to go out On New Year's or, or the week after New Year's So Happy New Year to you uh, And hope you had a nice holiday season um, As usual, all of our stuff Is at thegymwits.com I'm
0: Ryan George I'm Justin Guild A.K.A. Chef Sonic Reminding you that truth Does not sell And we are the Gymwits